So apparently rooting for Georgia in the national championship college football game was the right move. Yeah, I mean, obviously my motivation was Ashley Shabahati, but clearly, clearly it was good in the end because they won it all. And it's been awesome to see the, the cool victory photos on Instagram. Yeah, so the final score um, over Alabama, Georgia was 33 um, to 18. Georgia's defense showed up like it has been the whole season. They intercepted Bryce Young, the Heisman Trophy winner, twice and held Bama to only 30 rushing yards. So that is my motivation for for Georgia defense. But whatever, whatever works, right? <laughs> and I feel like, I don't know, Carly, did you hear about the quarterback Stetson Bennett? Yeah, it was he, like his story. Yeah. Walk on and getting to this level. I always love those kind of like underdog narratives. It makes me so happy. Yeah, yeah. So good for Georgia. Like, it's just, I feel like Alabama just wins so much that, like, it's refreshing. Um, it I is mean, refreshing. Like, Alabama earns it completely, but it's refreshing to, like, see another team at the top. I know. There was a post, and it was like, when Alabama loses, America wins. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I was like, you I saw that. that. So apparently, also, like, there's, like, some weird statistic that someone brought up, like, a couple years ago that, like, Every time Saban wins a national championship, Bill Belichick doesn't win a Super Bowl. So because Saban didn't win, there's a chance that the Patriots could win the Super Bowl based on that. Yeah. And like vice versa. Like every time like <laughs> Saban so funny. won, Belichick didn't. Isn't that weird? That is so weird. Wait, Carly, before we continue, I think we just need everyone to know that Carly is a warrior right now because her voice, you know, before we started our podcast today, she lost her voice and is now I rallying. think I lost it at the Giants game. Which <laughs> That's what always happens. Many listeners are probably like, why were you there? And it's because I am the opposite of a fair weather fan. Bad team, bad weather, I don't care. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's so funny. I literally texted Carla and I go, are you spending most of the game talking about, you know, the draft and the offseason? She goes, that's exactly what I'm doing. I could just see her in the stands, like, preaching to everyone about what they have to do. And you I must be happy, Carly, right now. Yeah, I literally turned around to the guy behind me and I was like, guess I got to start doing some draft analysis. <laughs> oh, my God. She's, like, sitting there taking notes. Like, as a Giants fan, you know, you got to be happy right now, right? Well, it's more like relief that <laughs> this season has finally come to an end and that... <laughs> the right people have been relieved of their duties, quote unquote. So we could get into that a bit. Um, Dave Gettleman were, was asked to retire, basically, um, which we kind of all saw coming. Um, he's created an absolute disaster of this roster, making it one of the worst teams in the league, talent-wise, cap-wise. It's just, uh, it's, it's not good. Um, and then... Joe Judge, we weren't sure. He met with John Mayer, the owner yesterday, and Steve Tisch, the other owner, um, and they came to the decision to let him go. Essentially, from what we understand, obviously none of us were in the meeting, but from what we understand, um, he was given a chance to kind of like defend his vision, um, and I guess maybe it wasn't enough, or it just got to the point where I think, and Mara said this in his press conference today, like, we just need a clean slate. Was there ever a vision? I, I don't know. Like, it sounded like it. When Judge came in, 
I liked him. He was saying all the right things. Mm-hmm. Um, he was also like handed kind of like not a great roster. He was handed like a right. slightly above average quarterback and then a slew of injuries this year. Um, but still, like there are certain decisions he made that have nothing to do with a roster and nothing to do with injuries that yeah. show that he's not head coach material right now. Um, like, for example, like he like mismanagement of time and penal and uh, calling timeouts and then you mm-hmm. know having a highly penalized team at times. So I think it was the right move. Um, he may be successful somewhere else. Um, you know, down the line, but not right now. Yeah, so I think it's good to just start with the fresh slate, like you said. Yeah, and then I do want to talk about, like, a couple other, like, moves that teams have been making in terms of, like, the coaching carousel, which happens every year. Mm -hmm. Um, So Denver fired Vic Fangio, their head coach. Was not a surprise. Same with Mike Zimmer of the Vikings and Matt Nagy of the Bears. And then both of their GMs have been fired as well. Um, the Bears GM, Ryan Pace, he's responsible for drafting Mitch Trubisky. For those who don't remember, they traded up to take Trubisky over Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. <laughs> oh, oh now, if he could go back in time. And now Trubisky is Josh Allen's backup in Buffalo. That's like they want to – it's like this is the kind of thing where – and I, I don't want to go back to the Giants. I know we're talking about something else. But yeah. It's so many Giants fans over the weekend were cracking up with, like, just the funniest tweets about how they've done every mm. single possible mistake you can imagine, like, the, the oh, past yeah. few drafts. Just, like, just awful. Everything. Awful and I actually was saying, like, the drafting of Daniel Jones is similar mm-hmm. to the Bears drafting of Trubisky, where it was like, you're not finding some secret that no one else knows. <laughs> that's so funny it's a good way to put it and I the last one I'm gonna hit on is a was a surprise to me Miami fired Brian Flores um he spent three years with the organization with a 24 and 25 record he had two winning seasons out of the three he was there and he finished this year winning. um I thought he was a good coach apparently he didn't get along great with Tua and the GM so there were some issues there but in my opinion I don't care if you get along like it's a working relationship player player plays coach coaches. I just, in my opinion, I didn't think he was a bad coach. And if you look at what's out there, it's not great. (laughs) So like if you're doing pretty well, I'd say, hold on to that guy. I saw, yeah, there's a lot of disappointed fans. And when we talk about, like, these relationships, it ends up always affecting the player in horrible ways. I mean, look at, even look at Brady. In the end, he didn't have the best relationship with the Patriots head coach, right? And then that ended up affecting them. Right. But I do have to say, like, they made it work for years and years. They did make it work. And I wonder how bad that relationship was that we didn't see parts of it while they were together. I just think, like, you don't have to get along with your coworkers, in my opinion. Like, right. you can still do your job. I don't know how severe the, rela- the bad relationship was. With like him saying. and Belichick? Yeah. Or, or I meant, like, Flores and Tua. Mm-hmm. But I don't know my opinion. Like, I feel like you, a coach can coach, a player can play, even if they don't, like, love each other. I don't know. Just my, Be- just my two cents. I mean, like, uh, Matt LaFleur and um, Green Bay – 
him and Rogers didn't get along the first year LaFleur came in and now they've like worked it out. So I feel like it's almost magical when you do like Carly, you were on the Bucks organization talking to coach Lori Locus, you know, she really spoke to the fact that as a coach, she has like these really, really great relationships with her players and they laugh around off the field. And I'm sure you witnessed that. And I think was a contributing factor, you know, in that Super Bowl and the chemistry that yeah. you guys had. Right. I do have to say it's also like depends on coaching styles. Like BA's coaching style um, is very like collaborative, like especially mm-hmm. with Brady. Like he let Brady be Brady. Right. Um, but it's hard in a situation like this, like with like two as a young quarterback, you right. can't really let like a young quarterback kind of like do him. He doesn't really know yet. It's <laughs> a good point. Yeah. Brady's <laughs> obviously a vet. It's, there's no comparison there. Exactly. So, um, Really interesting. I want to see like how that all falls and how all the pieces fall after this shakeup. Um, but I do want to talk playoff picture real quick. It was week seven, sorry, week 18, the first week 18 ever. Um, the playoff picture is finalized. Colts, after having a pretty strong season, missed the playoffs with a loss to the worst team in, in football, the Jacksonville Jaguars, which was just a shock. I think they totally like didn't prepare for them. Um, and arguably the Colts have the MVP on the ro- their the potential MVP on their roster, Jonathan Taylor. Um, so that was sh- pretty shocking. Like they definitely yeah. didn't think about this game. I feel like, or they were underprepared. I hate going, like, I feel like as an athlete, you know, me and Carly, we both played sports growing up. You can never like, I remember even my childhood coaches would always say, like, I don't care that, you know, we have this ranking or we're so much better. We have this. Like, you can never go into it that mentality. You can't be relaxed. You have to come out swinging. Like, even if it's a 10-point deficit, my coach always be like, that's not good enough. Like, we want to be winning by 30 right now. Right. It's like any – they always say any given Sunday. <laughs> it's true. And it's true. Yeah. This was crazy, I have to say. So, like, the AFC playoff picture was not in place until, like, late Sunday night. So – what happened was the Steelers and Ravens played earlier on Sunday and the Steelers beat the Ravens and the Ravens missed the playoffs. Okay. The Steelers then are unsure if they're in the playoffs or not because their fate depended on the Raiders and Chargers game. The Raiders and the Chargers, if they both wanted to be in the playoffs, all they had to do was have a tie game. And the way the Steelers would make the playoffs if, if either the Raiders or the Chargers lost. So what happened was the game almost went to a tie, which is crazy. The Raiders beat the Chargers in overtime, even though it appeared that the Raiders were planning on ending the game by taking a knee and ending the game in a tie, which would have sent both teams to the playoffs. However, this is where it gets really crazy. So Raiders had possession in overtime, and it looked – and the time was running out in overtime. It looked like that they were just going to run out the clock and let it end in a tie. However, the Chargers head coach decides to call a timeout as if he is reserving time on the clock for the Chargers <laughs> to try to come back and win it. So then the Raiders, I believe this is all, like, I obviously don't know if this is for a fact, but this is what we're all assuming. The Raiders like got pissed and was like, you know what? screw you, we're going to kick the field goal and win so you don't get to go to the playoffs. I thought this whole thing was wild. I don't know if we've ever seen this before, but the animosity right now has to be crazy. Yeah, I mean, I can't – I mean, if I was Chargers, like, fan, I'd be pissed at my head. Yeah. 
<laughs> I'd be so mad. That's crazy. Like all you had to do was do nothing. <laughs> That's so true. So, and then like a couple other things. Um, the Saints win, but they don't, they're not going to the playoffs because San Fran takes that spot. They staged an amazing comeback to beat the Rams. My boy, Jimmy G, leading them to victory. Oh, God. The one time he thrives. He played play the way he played well. I, I know. I do have to say, I'm very, like, practical. I don't think he's the best football player in the world just because he's good-looking, but um, <laughs> he did he did play well Carly. in the end. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm happy for you, Carly. And this is like, I want to talk about in terms of, like, record – breaking things so tj watt um he plays for pittsburgh he's a pass rusher for them really impressive pass rusher he ties michael strahan's single season sack record at 22 and a half sacks that's here's huge the, but here's the thing he had an extra game to do it yeah so that's kind of unfair right right so it's weird like all these records are being broken but they it's all because they had the extra game. Right. So do they count? Should they count? I don't know. It's been the, like this big debate now that there's an extra week. It's almost like, but you can't not count it. You can't take away their stats. Like it, you can't retract what they did almost. You know what I mean? Like I understand it's an unfair advantage, but they did what they did. You can't take it away. Right. They still did what they did, but should you like replace the record? Yeah. Oh, that's so, that's so hard. That's a really tough decision. Isn't that difficult? Yeah. So I don't know, but it's definitely something to think about. I'm glad that I'm not the one has to determine that. Because <laughs> I mean, that wouldn't be good. But yeah. So um, we are going to pivot to the NBA. Um, we've got like quite a lot of basketball coming in this episode. So buckle up. Yeah. It's been, yeah, it'll be a fun basketball episode. Um, I'm going to leave. A lot of my Blazers talk till the end because of our special guest. But I will say that without Dame, without CJ, the Blazers did beat a Durant-led offense with Kyrie Irving making a comeback. And it was a win that I needed to see. I mean, like, watching these young guys kind of thrive and just play basketball the way it should be played and have fun with it, seeing Anne continue to lead them, seeing Ben kind of take a step up, seeing a guy like Robert Covington, you know, go five for seven from three. Like that's, that's all we can hope for right now with, with Dame being out um, and CJ. I can't wait to get CJ back too. Um, and then we have to talk about John Morant. Uh, the Grizzlies are the team to watch right now. And, you know, there's a lot of hype before, but now they're kind of putting it into motion. Just to give some perspective, they've now beaten the Warriors Suns, Jazz, Nets, Heat, and Lakers on the road. That's not an easy feat. I mean, like, and when you're talking about draft class, right, it's like John Zion will be kind of tied together forever. They're going to be bound together forever in NBA history because they were the top two picks in the 2019 draft. But, like, now Jaws emerging as the star. Like, he is becoming a top guard in this league, and he's doing it day in and day out. And it's funny because he's a guy that, you know, went to, he didn't go to the Dukes of the world. He didn't go to, you know, UNC. He went to Murray State. And he wasn't highly recruited out of high school either. And this is a guy that I think deserves his flowers and we should be. Um, it's kind of funny because when they asked Jock who he modeled his game after a few years ago, he said Russell Westbrook. It's, it's, I'm not a Westbrook fan. That's no secret. But I think Jaws <laughs> is like what Westbrook hopes he what Westbrook like kind of hopes to be, what Westbrook thinks he is. This guy is so athletic. 
and he's so skilled and I just can't wait to see what they're going to do because he's putting a smaller franchise on the map and they're going to go far in the playoffs and I can't wait to see him succeed. What, like, what effect do you think like a young guy has like that with that kind of momentum? I think it's crazy because as we're talking about and hyping John Twitter, I like wanted to see how his like stats from last season compared to this one. And I had to remind myself because I'm not kidding. I literally forgot. I had to remind myself that this dude is 22 years old. He's only in his third year in the league. He's doing this. Like he's leading a smaller franchise, like right to like the fourth seed. I think they are right now at at 22 years old. That's not, it's just insane. When you talk about a guy's when you talk about a guy's effect like that, it's not just about him kind of empowering people around him. You have to think about Memphis as an organization and what he's done for them. Memphis is right now fourth in the West. They're in line with people like the Warriors and Suns. I mean, that's crazy. Like that's absolutely unbelievable. So, you know, two years ago, Memphis would not be in this conversation. He really put them on the map and he's the guy to watch right now. Day in, like night in and night out. I think he's the player that most most fans want to watch. And it also, like, shows you what one good draft pick can do for your organization. That's so true. And I have to say, I don't know if you agree with this, but I think out of the four major sports, I mean, it depends, right? Because I guess you could compare it to, like, drafting a quarterback and what that could do mm-hmm. to your franchise. But I really do feel like basketball affects that because we've had this conversation, Carly, where, like, in basketball, that one star can kind of take over, whereas in football, there's just so many functions that need to work together to right. have a Super Bowl team. For sure. I mean, it's it's a smaller roster, so, yeah. like, a player is going to have a bigger effect. It's, like, and it's like know, the same in terms guy of, like, common offense, sense. That, and it's, like, the same guy playing offense and defense. Right. And Not also, like, football. like I feel like there's more, like, things that an individual can do in basketball. Um, like, for example, in football, like, I think football is the most team sport. I think so, um, too. Because, like, a quarterback can't do anything if he has no offensive line. And, That's like, a quarterback has no pass game if they can't establish the run game. And, like, those sorts of things. And, like, everything is dependent on one another. Yeah. Um, even on the defensive side, but like in terms of other sports, it's not as like, it's not like the full unit has to work together so much. Yeah. It's like an individual can kind of do their thing. Another individual can kind of do their thing. Yes. Of course you have to work together as a team, but an individual can like create more on their own. It's true, and it's, like, that's why people's opinions. It's, like, when I hear about people not liking basketball as much, the, the commentary I've heard is, like, it's not it's not a team sport. It's one star. Like, I don't want to watch the LeBron show. And I get it, you know? Like, that's that's mm. not for everyone. Like, for me, I, I love that. But for people that are into, like, football, that might not be for them. But it's just it's just so cool to watch a, a guy like Ja dominate the league right now, and I, I really want to see how far Memphis will go in the playoffs. For sure. Um, well, with that um... – we have a really, really cool interview. We gave you guys kind of a sneak peek about who it is on our last episode. Um, and we're really excited about this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Any chance to talk Blazers basketball, especially with someone as awesome as Mar, is a, is a welcomed opportunity. So looking forward to uh, transitioning to that. Yeah, we'll see you guys there. Hey guys, we're here with Lamar Hurd, Trailblazers broadcaster and my personal favorite in the NBA, Lamar. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. 
this is it's gonna be fun it's like back-to-back Oregon State people because we had Ashton on and I know that you know Ashton really well yes I didn't and, realize we had her on yeah we had her on talk about flagrant and she was so excited because we put like a little questionnaire if people wanted to ask you certain questions on the show and Ashton commented and I'll read it for her she wants to know if you and Ann Schatz will ever do a broadcast or if you can make that happen for her that's Ashton's personal Wow, it's funny that she just said that because literally Ann and I were scheduled to do a Pac-12 game just like two weeks ago. Oh my so god. It originally it originally was scheduled for like a month ago. The game got canceled and then it got rescheduled. And then a day or two before the rescheduled date, the two universities they had to cancel the game. And so Ann and I, we were so close to getting to work together. And one of the cool, one of the really cool things that would have happened is um, the there were two separate dates we were asked to work together. So uh, on the first one, it was a doubleheader scheduled at Oregon State where the men would play first and the women would play second. And I was offered the chance to do both the men's game and the women's game along with Ann. And so I, I checked in with Ann though before accepting the women's game because. Like, I, I just wanted to be respectful to that whole situation because I, I haven't had the opportunity to watch the women's collegiate game as closely as the men's game. So, like, I'm really familiar with Pac-12 men because I've been working with the Pac-12 network on the men's side since uh, 2012. Um, and so I just wanted to check in with Ann and, you know, say, hey, are you cool with, you know, if I step in and do this? And also, like, I don't know if I should because I almost feel like somebody else would be better suited. So we were able to have, like, this whole long exchange where like that whole conversation turned into like this, I think she would call it like a blossoming friendship where we just got a chance to go back and forth on some thoughts and things. And so the way that all worked out is um, a, a, a first time women's analyst was able to step in and be a part of that game because I ended up declining it. Uh, unfortunately, that game got canceled last second too but hopefully it gets rescheduled like Ann and that women's analyst will get to work. And maybe somewhere down the line, um, if it's not the game that got canceled for us getting rescheduled, it's a separate game. Hopefully I get to work with her because I love Ann. I, I've been yeah. able to kind of just watch Ann and her growth. And I know all the stuff she's done to pioneer uh, broadcasting for women. And she is, she's, she's awesome all around. So hopefully Ashton, one day I will get that opportunity. Um, you guys said, you said blossoming friendship. Like, if you texted her, would she answer Lamar? If the answer is yes, I'd say, <laughs> I'd say that is that, you know. Based on her responses to our previous conversations, I believe she would answer uh, pretty quickly. Okay. And I would do the same thing for her. Too. Okay, that, that's a solid friendship. So, and if you're <laughs> listening, it's it's a mutual blossoming friendship. Um, <laughs> yeah. Before we start recording, you know, we're talking about the Dame news. We have to go a little off topic for a minute just because we did get that notification. So, um, and Lamar shared a really funny story. So Lamar, you said you get random DMs about people trying to nurse Dame back to health through you. <laughs> yeah, there's, I get random messages all the time because of the proximity and the relationship we have with the players. Uh, a lot of times I think people think it's a, you know, like a friendship like you and Carly have where like, you know, you talk every day or every week and you can go hang out. And um, it's not that kind of relationship that I hold with the players. Like, to the credit of our players, this is my sixth year doing the job. Every year we've had great players on the team where they have always been outgoing. They've been personable. They've always given their time whenever I've needed it. I try to like really uh, be intentional about giving players their space because 
like they have to be on every second of every day, especially when they're in the public eye. So like I try to ease off, but I don't think people think that that's our relationship. So I'll get messages sometimes like with Dame's injury. Um, hey, you could, uh, you could tell Dame to do this exercise and it'll help his app. Like I'm really going to go and say, hey, Dame, um, uh, Instagram user IHOP211 said that if you if you do this with your abs, it'll work, like things like that. And then I recently got a very weird message where this was a first. So Jody Allen is the owner of the Blazers and somebody messaged me and asked me, um, they said, you know what? I was watching the game tonight and I saw Jody Allen had on a certain jacket. Can you ask her where she got that from for me and then let me know? And I haven't responded to this person. So if they hear this, this will be the first response that they are actually getting. Because I didn't, and I want this person to know, I truly didn't know how to respond. I didn't know, I didn't know what exactly to say um, to, I guess, make it like really evident that like, that's Jody and I, we don't have that relationship where I'm going to go ask her about. There's no blossoming it. friendship. Lamar that's not that i gotta no. be respectful you know right. like she wears yeah. her clothes and i that's none of my business <laughs> no. no so i'm not gonna imagine you texted her and asked her that that would be no. so weird and the fact that you even took time to think about this person's request that alone is very nice of you <laughs> uh, well i i just i i could tell it was very important to this person so i wanted to weigh uh, that person's feelings in this request but yeah, so sometimes we get really random requests like that of messages to transfer to the coaches or players or anybody that we might be associated with. Yes, well, that's that's so funny. I know that our, our Blazers fan listeners will enjoy that one, but Lamar, back to you, because this is about you. Um, okay. You know, you've been a player and a coach. Um, when I say coach, I think about the story you shared with like Bethany and coaching the youth. Um, but also I just want to know like what made you choose broadcasting when you experienced other facets and I feel like you could have chosen maybe the path of being a coach, you know, but you chose broadcasting. So broadcasting is something I wanted to do from the time I was really young. Like when I was in middle school, I think I started to identify, like I always loved basketball, but I think I started to identify, like, I like the intellect that comes behind basketball, like understanding why did this person do this? And why did this coach run to this, this play? And why do, the, why do you do this defense at this time and you do the other defense at other times? So like, I really started to enjoy that as a kid and uh, kind of started to study it without realizing it. Like I was one of the young kids that didn't just watch basketball to see all the highlights, you know, like all the dunks and all that. Like I enjoyed that, but like, I really liked what would kind of be considered the boring elements of it. So uh, once I realized that, um, I just always thought like, man, it'd be cool as a job, as I'm seeing other analysts on TV at that time, I was like, it'd be cool as a job if one day, like, I could just kind of share with other people, like, what I'm seeing as they're watching the game in a way to help them keep enjoying the game. Because I started to, like, realize, like, oh, I know why they did that. And, like, because I knew it made the game a little more fun for me. So that's, that's when being an analyst became something I wanted to do. The coaching thing, that was totally out the blue. So without going too deep on this, because it will take forever, um, my, my childhood story was one where when I was in the sixth grade, I moved out of my mom's house in Southwest Houston to go to this school in Northwest Houston. And the only way that I was able to do it is uh, I had to live with the guy who was the basketball coach at this school. 
this guy was also, he was also the youth pastor at our church in Southwest Houston. So that's how we knew him. So it's like a 90 minute gap. And in Houston, like that's 90 minutes without traffic. On days where there's traffic, you don't know how long you're sitting there. So that's why I had to live with this guy during the weekdays, along with my older brother, who also went to this private school. And then I would go back home to Southwest Houston on weekends. And I loved it so much because it was like a basketball heaven. Like it was a tiny school. The coach had the key to the gym. I don't come from like money and resources. So we never had like a gym membership somewhere. We never had access to wood gymnasiums. You know, like it was just pavement out in the driveway. So like when I went to the school, the coach has the key to the gym. There's glass backboard. You can go anytime. I didn't want to go back home. So midway through my sixth grade year, like I stopped going home and my mom, my mom realized she had to move up there if she wanted to like see me, like her son. And I had one other brother who I had a younger brother who was at home with my mom. So my mom made the decision the following year to buy a house in that in the little town. And then, you know, we ended up living around that area for the next seven years until I graduated. Um, and so what happened is as I got a little bit older, like as I started to get into college, I started to realize all of the the experiences and lessons I gained from that basketball coach who was like a father figure to me, too. And I also realized like the reason I was able to gain the things I gained from him was because we shared in the love for basketball. So because of how much I cared about basketball, I allowed him to be my influence and whichever way he would have decided to lead me, I would have gone. Like if he would have led me down a totally opposite road, I would have willingly gone because I saw him as my basketball influence. So I was really fortunate that um, he, he imparted within me like good things and helped me understand just kind of life in general. So what happened is after my four years at Oregon State, I played one year in Germany. Then I came back to the U.S. and I had a I had a a um, an option to join the G League that year. And like my college career career was really I didn't know that. I love yes. these little plot twists. Okay. Yes, yes. There, there's a lot. I, I'm I'm telling you, I can go deep, and there's a lot you don't know. But I'm just giving you kind of as much surface yeah. level so we can keep this moving. But. Um, <laughs> But uh, my college career was really up and down. Like my freshman year, I was on the honorable mention all freshman team. And I didn't even think like I played well. So I was really excited about moving forward. Uh, but then like I just hit such a decline in my career. And a lot of it's because uh, mentally I was not where I needed to be to be successful um, beyond the things that I was kind of facing at that time. And it's nothing crazy. Uh, you know, like it's it's just you know, my coach and I and some of my coaches, we didn't see eye to eye. I think they saw me a different way. They saw the game a different way than me um, and not placing any blame on them. Like that, that was where um, I learned like how important taking accountability is and how much you just make sure you control what you can control. And I did not do a good enough job of doing that when I was in college. And so I learned a really valuable lesson that, that fortunately I learned it then and it's been able to help me throughout the rest of my life. But essentially, the rest of my career was not as promising as it seemed like it was when I first started. So my senior year, I got hurt and um, I ended up going overseas to Germany. And I got I got really fortunate there because I, I landed in a league in Germany that was really good. Um, I don't know how familiar you guys are with overseas basketball, but all overseas basketball isn't, isn't equal. Um, certain leagues are way better than other leagues. There are certain leagues where you have former NBA players former all Pac-12, Big Ten, SEC type players. Then you got other leagues where it's like guys you've literally never heard of. And so I fortunately landed in a league 
that had the former Duke, North Carolina players, um, Florida, certain guys that were in the NBA, and now they bounced over there. So it was really competitive. I had a good experience. I had an offer to go back, but also had a chance to join the G League. And so like, I was kind of at this crossroads of like, all right, you know, like, what do you think realistically you can do? You know, can you get in the G League and maybe work your way up and get a get a crack at the league? Or, you know, should you take this kind of safety security blanket? You got this offer overseas. And as I was weighing options, I was in the Portland area and a, a friend of mine who was my college roommate said, hey, I think, um, you know, while you're kind of figuring out what you, you're trying to do, you should go work over at the Hoop in Beaverton. And the Hoop in Beaverton is this six court facility. It's like a really nice court. And um, I was like, yeah, that's a good idea. So I go to the Hoop one day. This is like in the fall of 2007. And uh, I meet with the general manager. And I said, look, I'm, I'm, I'm a basketball player. I'm just looking for somewhere where like I can work out for free. Cause y'all know, like you coming out of college, like I didn't have money like that to be like trying to, you know, pay for a gym membership. Like I'm trying to find a hookup. And I was like, I will, do, I will uh, like coach kids or train kids, whatever you need me to do here. If you give me free access to the gym, dude was like deal. And I said, here's the one caveat. I might leave without any notice. So like the way basketball works at that level I might be in the middle of a game coaching a group of kids or in the middle of a training session. My agent might call me and say, you got to go. There's a plane that is leaving at nine o'clock and we need you on it. And I got to go. Dude was like, cool, let's do it. So that was my plan going into it. I went to my first day of practice with this group of kids that I was scheduled to coach. It's a group of kids that consisted of third, fourth and fifth graders. Um, I walked into the gym that day for my first practice. I had a whole practice plan and all this stuff. And then the kids are coming in like one by one. And it was the first time ever in my life that I felt like, man, I got to be for this group of kids what my coach was for me. And I retired. I never played basketball for money again. I, I never like play like true, true competitive basketball after that point. I felt like I got to do this. So I jumped all the way into it that fall night in 2007. And that's how I even got into coaching. And it's not like it was the first time I ever been around kids and like coaching kids because we did it in college. We did it at high school, like we did different camps and stuff. But this one just felt a little different. And so that's how I got into coaching kids. And um, I never knew where it was going to go. And yeah. so, so, so here's where it got really interesting. The following year, my alma mater, Oregon State, had a coaching change and they asked me to be a part of the coaching search for it. So I, I was like, sure, I'll do it. Um, on the coaching search, the athletic director asked me, didn't you want to be on TV? Like, we feel like we remember you talking about that when you went to school here. And I said, yeah, of course. But to me, that, that ship has sailed because I don't know any 23-year-old uh, up and down collegiate career athletes who don't have some extensive resume who are on TV right now. Like, not, not in what, you know, you would kind of consider a reputable TV type job. Like a lot of these people are very accomplished. Either as players, coaches, front office, et cetera. And he said, well, the timing is good because Fox Sports Northwest, which is now Root Sports, which happens to be the Blazers partner, they're looking for former student athletes. They remember your name. Um, I think we can get you an interview with them. And so I was like, sure, of course. And I got an interview with Fox Sports that, that spring in 2008. And that's how I got into broadcasting. Like that was my entrance in. So the, the funny thing is, as you asked the question about coaching, like coaching, um, like it was never what I wanted to do, but it was like what I happened to be doing at that time. 
And so like, I really enjoy them both. I've been able to coach kids at a bunch of levels, high school, had several kids that have gone on to college. But for me, it was never about that. It was never like trying to find the best teams or athletes and get all these kids scholarships. Like if that happened, great. But what I wanted to do for them is find kids who are passionate about the game and like try to connect with them and like just try to help impact their life from that. Cause that's what my coach did for me. That's, awesome. that's amazing. Um, a couple of things that you said that like really resonated with me is like how like the reason you want to go into broadcasting is you want to share like your love of the game and like your knowledge with fans to make them love the game more. Um, and I think that's what makes like an awesome broadcaster. Um, like the sports world just lost like one of the greatest broadcasters in John Madden. And like that's what he did. He made people love the game he loved even more. And that's what made him so amazing. Um, the other thing I want to touch on that I think is really cool is like your passion for like inspiring like the youth. Um, like that's something I want to do in football. Like I really want to like grow the game like from the roots. So it's like really cool that you had the opportunity to do that. And like now you're doing it in like a different type of role. Um, but we do want to get into like talking some ball with you. Um, Let's do it. We love your keys to the game segments before the Blazers matchups. So what are your three keys to the game for making the plan for the Blazers? The, the three keys um, would be uh, continued buy-in. So that'd be first. So what I mean is buy-in to the game plan, got a new coach. And when you get a new coach, as you guys know, sometimes it could be tough for a team that has had success for so long and success meaning making the playoffs, having the longest playoff uh, active streak in the league to have a coach come in and say, okay, that's great and all, but I want to do some things differently. And, you know, that can be tough for a team wide to buy in to that whole concept. And I think what we've been seeing recently as of late is a lot of buy-in from the team, the way they've been playing. Uh, so that would be number one, the buy-in. Uh, number two, would be uh, the element of kind of togetherness. Because what we've also seen as of late is, uh, you know, the stars have been out. Dame, CJ, Norman, you know, the three main scorers, they've been out the last few games. And then with all the health and safety protocols, like you never know who's really going to be available sometimes and, and who's not. And then, of course, with Dame's injury. So there's kind of got to be this sense of togetherness because this team has been built primarily around Damian Lillard the last few seasons and then also CJ. And so without kind of those two lead scores that you know every single night, like that's what you're counting on, there'll be guys that can step up, especially the way Anthony Simons has been playing lately. But it's going to take like this committee effort. And I think in the most recent game, like that's what we saw. Like that to me was like the most by committee win in a important game where you're playing a good team that I, I feel like we've seen from the Blazers, like everybody contributing, everybody doing things. So oh that, my God. It was yeah. incredible. Like Wasn't the it? box score and everyone's like, everyone contributed. I mean, yes. even like Robert Covington, like his three kind of just came in, like it kind of just fell into place. Like we even saw Ben getting in the mix and I was like, I was just so happy. I'm saying, didn't it feel good? Yeah. yeah I felt, that's it what felt I'm saying. Like, and, and that's gotta be the style. Against the Nets. Yes. Against, against a good Brooklyn. team. So like that's got to be the style of play where everybody's just kind of involved. Um, and then the last thing uh, I would say is interior presence. And right now that's NERC. Um, I feel like one thing that has, that has correlated with the Blazers' success over this last week is the play of NERC inside. Like he's been a lot better. He's 
He's taken his time, uh, but he's had a physical uh, physical presence that the Blazers have been able to use as an advantage. Like even last game, they started the game, they got the Nets in a foul trouble, like right off the jump because they were able to go down to him. So I feel like if those three things are in play for the remainder of the season, no matter who is on the floor, there's definitely the chance to be a part of that playing game. Yeah, I think so too. And like, I feel like it's, it's frustrating to me when I see people hyping and Fernie Simons, like who is like, I, I saw so many comments on Twitter. Like, I don't know who this guy is. This guy has been randomly balling out. And I'm like, if you watch the Blazers, like you would know what he's capable of. But I just think most of the people on Twitter aren't watching necessarily smaller franchise like the Blazers day in and day out like we do. Yeah. Um, so it's, but I want to just give him his flowers and obviously he's been stepping up and, you know, he said that Dame has really been the difference for him mentor wise. So can you talk about that mentorship a little bit? Yeah, you you guys know Dame is um he's I've always felt like he's the best leader in all the sports. And I've said that not not it has very little to do with what he does on the court when I say that. It's it's the things I'm able to observe in his relationships with his teammates, with other people around the organization, and the type of atmosphere he always cultivates, the way he goes out of his way for other people, like every single day. You know, like he he is very, very unique that way. And so one way that that has shown itself in his relationship with Anthony is from day one, he's been available to Anthony. Um, he's always been a part of him. He's been a part of his life. And um, Anthony, you know, like in these kind of situations, it's always easy to praise the person who's giving the tutelage and giving the advice. But it takes that person like Anthony that says, I'm all ears. I want to know. I want to look, show me, show me the roadmap. I'm here. And Anthony has done that since he's come into the league. So with Dame and TJ, he's been able to ask simple questions like, hey, you guys are defended as tough as any other guards in the league. So when you see it, what do you do? Okay, so that's what you do. How do I work on certain things? What drills do I do to get better, better at what you just said you do? And these are all questions that he would ask along the way. And then Anthony really took, took it to a different level over this past summer with his workouts. Uh, because he uses the same workout trainer that Dame has always used and CJ also uses sometimes, a guy named Phil Beckner. And so Anthony got, he went from a place early in his career where sometimes Phil Beckner had to say, hey, we should be working out at this time, this way, um, for this amount of time. It went from that to Anthony saying, Phil, I need you here so we can do this, that, and that. Um, so I think that's like natural maturation process, kind of an evolution of understanding what it takes in the league. Uh, but here, here's one thing. This is the last thing I'll say about this is uh, Anthony has always been praised by his teammates from the day he came in. And you might have heard this term before, uh, but it's very true. If a player tells you somebody can play, then they can play. Now that doesn't always resonate. It doesn't always show itself in, his, in a person's career. So somebody might come into the league and players are like, hey, he can play, he's good, he does this. And then you look at the person's career the next five years and it's like, okay, this person averaged three points. Um, they don't do this well, they don't do this. And that's not always just because of the player. Sometimes it's the organization. Sometimes it's, well, how much did the coaching staff believe in that player? How much did the front office believe in the player? Like there's all these other factors. And I think Anthony, is like a great case study in the players were right because the players have always said like to your point Sarah like other people they're just now catching on but from day one like I I vividly remember a time when I was talking to Mo Harkless 
who was on the team when Anthony. Oh got my God, there. I miss him. How yeah, is we he? love Mo. We love Mo. <laughs> and Mo, Mo, like looked at me straight, dead eye, and he's like, Anthony, cold. He is cold. And it that resonated with me a lot for several reasons. One, again, it's one of the players, a rotation player, a guy who's a veteran saying it. Two, if a defender says it, that's when you really better believe it. Because people who have made a career off of playing defense know the things that are tough to guard. Like they know what moves are tough. They know what types of movements, what actions. So when a defender tells me that too, like anytime I hear from a defender, it kind of goes up another notch to where it's like, okay, respect. We better respect this guy. So Dame and CJ have always been good for him. And uh, I give Anthony a lot of credit for being willing to, to take their advice and learn from them. That's awesome. I, I don't want to be the typical ESPN broadcaster question here, but who would you say his play style is most like? Like, what veteran do you think of? Or current player? His play style? Yeah, like, who would you compare him to? This is really hard for me because I don't, I don't have a comparison for him. I think, like, if I think of the closest comparison to him, I kind of go old school, uh, Mahmoud abdul Rayouf formerly Chris Jackson. So he's a player that played a long time. I always watched him when he played for the Nuggets because they used to always beat the Rockets when I was growing up as a kid in Houston. I'm like, who is this dude that keeps making all these crazy shots? That would be my closest comparison of, of somebody back in the day. I guess if I had to pick somebody today, I don't think it's like an apples to apples comparison, but in a way, Kyrie Irving. And the reason I say that is because they are both so herky-jerky with their handles. They move a little bit. Herky-jerky? Herky-jerky. Is this a word that you came up with right now or have other broadcasters use it? Because I've never heard it. I don't know if other people have used it, but I've used it before. Like, I, like, hope, I don't use it I all. I hope that some um, NBA scout is using that in a scouting report. Herky-jerky. I, so. <laughs> I love that. Anthony Simons, shooter, herky-jerky, uh, leaper. That's what it's going to say for tomorrow. <laughs> Wow. But it's the the way the way that that Anthony moves is uh, a little more rigid in a way than Kyrie, I think. But it's similar, like how they'll just hop around. Like some of their dribbles, it's not steps they're taking. Like watch Anthony, watch him closely. He will literally hop into. Oh, a I watched Lamar. Dribble. I definitely. Yeah, yeah. That, you know what I'm saying, sir. Like he 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 will hop into certain things and then like bounce out of things and then. The reason I say, uh, so that part of him reminds me of Mahmoud Abdul-Rayouf a little bit. The Kyrie parts is like, once he gets to the paint, the way he can go to the floaters, like he shoots a mid-range, you know, like some guards are, are either three-point shot or they're getting all the way to the rim, which there's nothing wrong with that if you can be dominant that way. And with Anthony, he can do both of those things, but he also will catch you off guard, like with these running, sweeping hooks, like all these high skill shots. So I think that'd be my closest comparison, but like, I don't feel good about that. Like it's like, it's a, a great comparison. I really think he is unique in, in the way he plays. That was a perfect answer to me. So um, we do want to touch on coaching a little bit. Um, as you mentioned in your keys to the game, um, kind of buying in to the new coaching scheme, the new head coach. So um, we want to hear like, how does Chauncey handle losses and what is that like in the locker room he's trying to boost morale it's uh there's been a lot of losses this season this season has reminded me in in feeling uh a lot of like my first season when I first joined a team where there were these high expectations 
And the reason for high expectations this season is different than six years ago when I was in my first season. Six years ago, the team was coming off of a second round playoff run. Um, it was a surprise season because the team was projected to win like 20 something games or something and then got into the 40s, I believe. And, um, you know, it was just it, it wasn't they surprised everybody. And so going into that next season, which was my my first season, there were high expectations that like, OK, well, now let's get to the Western Conference Finals. And the team was terrible for the first couple months of the year. And it wasn't until like late season push, like Dame always like just goes supernova like late season somehow and just takes over the NBA. So he started to do that, but also the team traded for Yusuf Nurkish that year. And then Nurk fever was established all over Portland and it was just exciting the rest of the way. Well, coming into this season, there were kind of similar expectations and it was because of the new coaching change. People, a lot of Blazer fans felt like, okay, there's a new coach now, let's, let's step it up. Let's get to that next level. And <laughs> it has not gone that way to start this season. So um, I've been able to see Chauncey a lot and how he has handled that. And I can truly say this, and I'm glad I can say this because it gives me a lot of hope for his coaching tenure. Um, he, I don't think he could have handled it any better with his personal relationships with the guys. So there were times when he would come out in a post-game press conference and he would flat out say, man, our guys don't play hard. I've, I've never seen, I've never seen a situation where the starters got to be inspired by the bench. Like he would say whatever it was he was feeling, but he did it because he would say the same thing to the guys. And in addition to that, he is also willing to say, I'm a first year coach. I'm learning things. I don't know everything. This is the first time I've coached anything. So I didn't even, I didn't even do like Lamar and coach sixth grade basketball. Like he, you know, he's like, I have not done any of this stuff. Um, and that has garnered respect from his, from his uh, team because they just want people to be accountable. So they're like, you can call me out too, but you got to be accountable when it's your time as well. And the players have felt that from Chauncey. And Chauncey, he shares a really similar relationship with the guys as like Damian Lillard does. And this is another reason why I say Dame is the best leader there is, is because they have such a good pulse on people and they are always aware of their people. So if somebody's having a down day, it's, hey man, what's going on? You all right? You cool? You, cool? you good? Let's talk about it. Let's figure it out. Um, okay, this guy over the last three games, he hasn't gotten shots here. You know, I know what that feels like. Let me let me figure this out. Setting expectations. You know, like you, you'll hear guys like Anthony Simons, who we talked about, Nasir Little. Both of those guys will tell you, man, I feel like I feel like I know what my role is on this team. And I don't know that I felt that as strongly in the past as I do this year. And that goes to Chauncey Billups and his communication with his guys. So so he has been able to navigate this from an interpersonal standpoint, like truly, I think as well as anybody probably could. Well, that's really reassuring. Sorry, Sorry Carl, you go first. No, go I was first. gonna say, I think like that's a great um, quality for a coach to have, like we were saying, like holding himself accountable and not like, and being honest and being, saying the same yeah. thing that he would say to the guys, to the media, to the fans, to everyone and really like owning up to it because it is so frustrating when coaches are just like, well, you just didn't execute. Well, mm -hmm. let's just go look at the tape. Well, mm -hmm. and it's like, 
No, like be real. So that's mm-hmm. very refreshing to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I think so too. I think and it's, I know Carly is like throwing shade subliminally at the Giants right now. She, that's what it is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, it, but it's true. But this is one of my favorite questions that I'm excited to ask because I don't know the answer to this. I don't think the average fan who follows you, Lamar, would necessarily know this, but who's your favorite player to watch that isn't on the Blazers? Like, I, I know you watch so much basketball, but I mean, do you and Bethany like to watch one specific athlete? Uh, she doesn't have like a favorite. She, anytime she has free time to watch uh, a lot of things, like she follows basketball, yeah. uh, but primarily the Blazers because of my affiliation with the team. But I would hope so. Uh, like, I hope yeah, she watched like, some right, of the right? Like, nice house wearing Lakers jerseys and stuff, then we'd have a, we'd have like a real problem. Uh, no, but she's busy watching like The Office and, and uh, Criminal Minds and stuff. So, like, that's where she's at. Me, when I get a chance to watch League Pass, I was just watching last night, I gotta go right now with John Morant. And I know he's the wave and everybody's talking about him, but you I chose to, an easy answer. I feel like I got Aaron two answers. literally got just two. talking about him. Like yeah. Cause him. he's the guy to watch right now. So it's like, but okay. So let me ask you this. So is, would that be your guy too? Kind of, but like, but you're different than me. Like, I feel like you see the game differently and you, I just wanted you to give, I don't know, like a dark horse answer. Okay. I can give you that. Okay. So I'll finish with Josh. So the reason though, I, I like watching Jaws because I felt like he is an elite passer, like ever since he came into the league. Like I like watching him, not just for, not for the dunks and like, that's cool. But I like watching when he gets in a pick and roll, waiting to see what passes he's going to make because he is so good at looking people off and then finding passes that you're not expecting him to make. And he plays like with this uh, kind of controlled recklessness a lot of times where it's like, oh my goodness, like he's just ramming himself into the lane and then, but he still sees that person and, and I didn't know if he saw that person, but he did. So I like watching those kind of things. Same thing kind of with Trey Young. He doesn't dunk and stuff, but he is a, an elite level passer as well. Okay, so a dark horse. I will go with, for my dark horse of who I have liked watching. Wait, Lamar, when you said Trey Young, I thought that was going to be your other answer. And I was so disappointed and sad, but then he said, and my dark horse is, and I was like, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I- yeah. not Trey, not Trey. Um, <laughs> I don't know if this would be considered a dark horse because he plays on a good team, but like he's not like a household name. Um, Boyan Bogdanovich for Utah, I really like his game. Wow. I okay. feel like I feel like he could be on the like the championship team each season. I feel like he could easily be a, a starter for that team because he's super efficient. He's a great three-point shooter, but doesn't just rely on it. He gets to the free throw line. Like there was this stat where both Devin Booker and he were the only two players in the league that had made as many threes as they had made. And like at the percentage they were shooting it at, and then also made as many free throws as they had made. So of course we hear about Devin Booker all the time now with, with, the, with the success they've had, but I feel like Bogdanovich is, is a very, very good player. So that would be kind of my. I like that. That's a good answer. Yeah. You know, you mentioned you mentioned Evan Becker. Did you see what happened yesterday with the mascot situation? Yes. <laughs> what yes. were your, like? What's your take? I thought that was so weird. Like, as an athlete, I mean, you played right at a very high level. How would you feel about? That? I didn't feel like it was anything. I about. Um, I, I wouldn't like it if I didn't expect it. So because it's an empty arena, because I never played in empty arena environments where like there's literally nobody in the arena especially these guys NBA they're 
these guys play in front of packed stadiums, hundreds of cameras in there. Like the their whole vibe is totally different. So I understand why Devin Booker felt the way he felt is because it's like, hey, this is a this is a private party. Who let the dinosaur in here in the corner to be jumping around? You don't want to give them like, their one fan. They have one guy supporting them. The but whole... but <laughs> only if you know, like he's part of the private party because you're probably not expecting he's part of this. So he might end up behind the basket. Like Devin Booker would have never responded that way if the arena was full. Because it's like, no, I expect thousands of people behind a basket acting crazy. So like, I understand how Devin Booker re reacted. However, I feel like it should have been fair game to leave the mascot there because- Right, they made him like, leave it's like in the corner. The mascot has been approved to be in the arena. <laughs> so- uh, the mascot should be able to hang out there. Yeah, they sent the mascot over to the corner. I feel bad for it. I feel bad. I for feel it. bad. Like, but apparently, the mascot was just doing his job, right? Yeah. Yes, I agree. I agree. I uh, uh I feel like the mascot should have had a mascot challenge, like the coaches' challenge has, and that should have been reviewed. He should have. Yeah. The mascot should have had some say so on that. I agree. So on the topic of Celine thing, um, we know that you've got some dad jokes. Um, and that you like to joke around with the players. Who would you say is the funniest guy on the Blazers? Besides, I mean, and like I know, like you're you connect yourself with the team, so you can't say yourself. Yeah. Okay, well, <laughs> I, I wasn't gonna say me anyway. So okay. I don't think, I, don't think I, I cut it. I don't think I cut it. Nurk is is usually the funniest person. Yusuf Nurk is. No, that's I wouldn't have guessed. if I had someone made me guess, I would have guessed Nurk. Who would you? I mean, I think Nurk's funny, but like. Are you, but I do think like whenever you do broadcast and I watch you do broadcast, Nurk will always come behind you and like do some funny stuff. So I guess he's always, it's not like, he's you know, always, he's always yeah. like bothering you in the background. Well, who would you have guessed? I don't know. I guess I have to think about, I feel like CJ is really funny. Like he's always making funny comments on Twitter and like, he's, I don't know, he has like a heavy social media presence. So I get to see that side of him. And I think he's funny. He is funny and he's clever. CJ's like really clever. Uh, but Nurk is... Nurk is the most jokey of the guys. So, so something funny might happen and it might be like, okay, that's over. That's done with. No, no, no not if Nurk's around. <laughs> like Nurk is going to string it out and then like it'll turn into something. It'll like take a new life of its own where like he just, he's, and then his accent as well, like with his <laughs> joke sometimes, the way he tells it, like it just sounds funny the way he like says it. Um, and then there's some things like with these jokes because of, you know, the difference in, in country origin and like just the stories, you know, like he doesn't know all the same stories that maybe like people here in America know, like. Oh, that's always um, so funny. Yeah. So it's, it's funny as he like starts to process it and he's figuring it out and then he might tell a joke off of that. And he's super, he's super just like, um, like just transparent with whatever he's thinking. So like, if he doesn't get the joke, like he'll like be like, man, what is this? What like where where where, where you make this up from? You know, like he'll he'll just start saying he's stuff. So he's just always he's like the life of the party. I want you and yeah. Bethany to double with him and his his fiance. I feel like that'd be so fun. To double with them? Yeah, like you want a double date with them? It'd be so fun. Oh, uh, I I record I think, it for Sarah. <laughs> I just want to. I would hear about it. I want to hear about it. To take a hidden camera and be like Sarah. Okay, we are now going here. <laughs> No, I any any time with Nurk is a fun time. The other funny person, Greg oh. Brown. 
Greg, that's Brown. I could see that. And Greg is so fun. Like every game day, he has like this little game day post he does. Like he's the best, and he responds to fans. And he's like one of those young guys that's like really interactive. I really like. Him. He is. He is his his at. He's just good vibes. Like you cannot pass by him and not just feel good. Like he oh just God, always has awesome. a good attitude. And so when we were doing our jokes this pat this this year, um, uh, you know, it was my first time officially meeting Greg. And we share a mutual contact in Texas. So, you know, we sat down, we start talking about this contact that we know. And so I tell him, I'm like, all right, look, this is the way the game goes. I'm going to tell these jokes and you try not to laugh. And he's like, okay, okay. So like, just don't laugh at him. And I was like, yeah, don't, if you can handle not laughing, then I want to see you not laugh. I am midway through reading the first question and he just busts out laughing. And I was like, are you going to let me, I got to finish the question first. And then every single one I read after that, he was laughing before him. Like it was, it was the most fun time I think I've had doing those jokes. He was amazing. Oh my God. That's fun. I want to be in a group chat. Maybe you can add me to a group chat with Greg and Nerd and then just me, like just this unknown number. <laughs> and add me in the group chat. Yeah. I'll, I'll do that. Sarah, you, Sarah, that, that's borderline. Can you find out what coat is Jody Allen wearing? That's, that's what I, I know I it's borderline. I know. I'm just that's I'm not even close. Can. That's not even close. I know. Okay, thanks. Carly, I know you want to ask um, quick question for you. Um your voice is going, I can tell. I know. I, I found um like I just smoked an entire <laughs> pack of cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> but we do want to know who you think that like a dark horse to make the playoffs might be. Um, like a hot take, maybe. Dark horse for the final. So, like, if I say Memphis, is that like? Oh, is that, is uh, that, here we go again second? with the with the Memphis okay. takes first. So I was asking. I was just asking. I was asking. I was asking. All right, so <laughs> you so. can say Memphis, Lamar. Sarah, oh, like, it's just disappointing. Hey, I'm just I'm just trying to gauge your real feelings on Memphis because you. You are you are like not jaw friendly right now. You are not. Well, I love so jaw. When you listen jaw. to this episode, you're gonna hear a whole segment before your interview of her hyping him up. It's oh. true. We did. So, wait, so then, why why the response? If I say if I go if I say Memphis as the dark horse, because Mark, everyone's saying that on Twitter right now. <laughs> so it's like you're. I want the inside peaks. You know, I just want to know if there's any other team that you might like. He's like basically, maybe. like. It's not a good enough answer. <laughs> I got one. I got one. I got one. Yes. Lakers. That's a really hot take because I think they're awful. So that's interesting. <laughs> that's but like, but why, Lamar? Have you not seen because the Westbrook highlights of all the misses? What's so on? I have. So a few reasons. Number one, trade deadline hasn't happened yet. So I know who isn't tradable for them. And so I know who will be there late in the year. And I know some people who might not be. Number two, no matter who they have when playoffs come around, when it's playoff time, they will sit who they need to sit because they will not be in a position where they say, we're worried about making this guy mad because we want him to come back next year. The people, whoever it is, they might need to sit. They're not going to be worried about that. Uh, LeBron and Anthony Davis are not two people who they will have to sit. And because of that, if those two guys are healthy, then I would make them the dark horse. That's that's really interesting. And I, you know, Lamar, usually Blazers fans are not Lakers fans. Like we're supposed to be, it's they don't support. Well, I'm not a fan. 
Okay. I'm not I'm a just, fan at all. Just making sure we're not actively supporting them. You know? No, like, no, no. This isn't support. This is okay. this is this is you forcing me into giving you an answer. I wasn't that I, that I was <laughs> bullying and peer pressure. Okay, but you like you think the Grizzlies will make a deep run? You said that could be your real answer if you want. Um, Mark it down. You know what? Truly, I think if LeBron and Anthony Davis are healthy by the time the season ends, um, I I would pick them ahead of the Grizzlies. Wow. I like that. That's a good, that's a good hot take. Um, you know, you mentioned some of Bethany's favorite TV shows earlier. I'm sure there's going to be days where you guys want to get away from the sport. Like what do you guys like to do for fun or what do you guys watch in your free time? We like getting away often. And, uh, over the last year, we've been like glued to a bunch of these home shows because we're, we're actually in the process of building a house. So so we started, yeah, we started watching these shows like a year ago, you know, as the idea was kind of, going on the the process has been going on now for a few months but you know like we're like let's you know let's watch this and see like you know what these people did and like this so there's this show on hgtv called love it or list it i don't know if you've heard i've seen it it. my parents watched it yeah okay yeah yeah (laughs) so like i know we're we're like i'm the old man so we like we started watching it and just loved it and we would love it one and like just see like different houses and see different things people are doing and see how Hillary, the woman in the show, her job is to fix up the existing house. And then David, his job in the show is to go out and find for this uh, couple, a new house that they can just buy. And so it's just fun, like seeing the different things that they do. And then a friend of ours introduced us to Selling Sunset. So we started watching that last year. I don't know. If oh my God. Reality. Is that is reality it? TV? That's a reality one on Netflix. Wow, this is shocking. I did not picture him Bethany as reality TV people. Like, I'm again, this is just so shocking. Oh, yeah, no, selling sunset. Like, we we started watching that, and like, we we literally just last night started season four because I didn't oh realize God. I didn't realize season four was already out. We had watched all the way up to season three, and then she had told me, like, Yeah, hey, are we gonna watch <laughs> selling sunset again? I was like, Is it out? And so she's like, Yeah, so we just started watching last night, we're gonna watch a few more tonight, uh, but like. Those have been kind of our main, like we've just been hooked on home shows like over the last year or so. But outside of that, um, it's kind of random. Like there isn't like just one show we watch um, in evenings in a daytime. Cause like one thing we like to do, especially we got to do it every, pretty much every morning last year. Um, and now that I'm pulled off of travel for a little bit, we'll get to do it again. Um, but like, we like to like make breakfast together every morning. It's so, like, we'll make breakfast. And then we'll sit down and we'll watch this show called Daily Blast. It comes on NBC. And it's kind of like a pop culture mixed with real life updates, mixed with news. Like it's this 30 minute show that comes on NBC. And like we started watching it, I think, I think like two years ago or so. And now it's at a point like where we tape it every day. So like even if we miss it, we'll catch up. And sometimes we'll watch like during breakfast, we'll watch like three or four episodes. You know, like, you know, that's so cute. It's like, that's kind of like our daytime show. But yeah, outside of that, there's like not one consistent show we always watch together. That's, that's really nice. Um, I just realized that I did DM you once about your house decor. I don't know if you remember, I asked you where you got stuff from for the holidays because it was really cute. So oh, I realized yeah. I am one of those people, but I'm not one of those people because, like, I know you, you know, like, it's not like I'm just asking. Oh, no, that was totally cool. You no, no, no. Go and say, could you, right. you know, yeah, I'm gonna ask, ask you, I just like, where the chandelier in yeah. his home, where that's I'm like, from. I like your pillow. <laughs> where did you get your pillow from? That's like more normal, I feel like, right? Totally. Every, everything you I remember that question now, yeah. So, like, that and that that was our old house, so we ended up selling that house. 
But um, that, I remember that question and that is totally fine. If there's yeah. anything you see and you, it, it catches your eye, you can- There's some good decor. We know each like, other. I, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of how we know each other, I never shared with listeners. Um, in 2018, I shadowed Brooke at a game, one game against OKC and I met Lamar and you were so nice. And it was like the most fun experience. And I, you know, went back to Portland recently. So that was really fun. Um, sad we didn't get a chance to meet up, but happily got a chance to catch up now. So that's yeah. really, really fun. No. Um, Lamar, plug yourself for listeners besides your Instagram handle and your Twitter, which I know, you know, we got a lot of comments before the episode of people saying they love that video of you breaking down. Um, and Freeney and people wanted more of that, but you also have herd mentality on YouTube if you want to just talk yes. about that. Yeah, so herd mentality is actually that's a project of Bethany and mine where um we just it's it's really simple. We just want it's kind of two things. Um both she and I, like we're not huge social media posters. Um, like holidays will pass, birthdays will pass, and like we might not put anything on social media. Like we nothing against it at all. It's just like we haven't. And so people will come often and especially you know like with my affiliation with the team it's a public facing job you know there's people that will say hey you should post more you should do this and that and um bethany and i we were just talking and and it's like you know like how can we do a little bit more of that where it makes sense you know like where we just kind of let you on the inside and stuff and you you know whatever you can see the the pillow cases that we have in our house whatever it is uh whatever it is that you're interested in but do it in a meaningful way like, cause that's the thing for us is um, we just, just posting the post, like, like, like I can tell, I personally don't really care about a lot of things. Like one thing I don't celebrate in, 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 in any fashion, separate, like differently from how I would separate, uh, celebrate a normal day is like my birthday. So like when my birthday comes around, like, yeah. Why are you like this? Well, it's just, you, <laughs> you don't, you don't hold like the big metallic number balloons. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. I actually, so I'll let you in on the inside story. So like three year, three, two or three seasons ago, I can't remember now, time is crazy. The Blazers had a home game the night of my birthday and the day of the game, Amara Baptist, our superstar, social media, every leader. We every, love Amara. He's awesome. He's yes. Um, if somebody doesn't love Amara, that's, that's a damn problem. <laughs> she, she texted me early in the day and, um, she asked me, she said, happy birthday. And she like, kind of asked me like, is it okay if we tweet about it? If we tweet happy birthday to you. And the reason she did that, and I, and I love her for that because like, she knew like the year prior, I didn't really care. I didn't want to make a big stir about my birthday. So I, I initially said, I said, no, I'd rather you not. And then I told Bethany about it. And Bethany was like, you know what? I think you should tell her yes, because she wants to do something for you. Like she wants to be nice. Like your coworkers appreciate you. They would want to enjoy you. So I think you should allow them to do that. And so I went back and texted Amara and I said, I'm sorry if that came off any kind of way. Like if there's something you would like to do or acknowledge, go ahead. So she tweeted a happy birthday from the Blazers account. And then that evening, the team they so they surprised me during the game with a cake that they bought out, like during a timeout. I was so shocked. I did not That's know. That's so cute. Yeah, and it made it made them all like a, like really happy to like execute that. And so, <laughs> did you put your like, head really, down? Were you like, like embarrassed? No, because we were on camera, so like we were on live TV when it happened, and like Blaze, the mascot, came out and was a part of it. So since that time, I have not told her or anybody like, don't do anything and all that. So 
the reason I'm saying all this is because like, I really, if it's just something totally self-serving to me, I just like really don't care. I don't need likes and all those things. So, um, and to be clear, there is, I have absolutely nothing against people who celebrate their birthday for a whole month. My wife. That's me. I call it a yes. birth month and it's a big deal. Bethany, so I'm sitting here like, okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, no, I'm not against you. Like Bethany is, yeah. is birthday central. So like we, it, it all works out, but I, I gave you all that back, back story to say, like, I, I was talking to her about it and we're like, you know, like, okay, so how can we share some more things? Like whether it's what I did for my birthday or whatever, but in a meaningful way. So we said, you know, one thing we've always wanted to do is shine more of a light on a lot of people here in our area and our community to do like a lot of good stuff every single day. I'm not talking about like these one-off events, this fundraiser or this big, I'm talking about people who like right now, literally if I pick up my phone and I call, there's at least a 50% chance they're right now working with the kid or they're trying to do something for foster youth or they're trying to do, like I'm talking about those people. And so we just started talking about the idea of like uh, really trying to hone in on what, what it would look like if we created some type of show like that. And that's how Herd Mentality came about. And the idea was actually first born back in probably 2016, because at that time I had a, a um, potential job offer um, that a, a, a company flew me out to the East Coast to possibly work there. And it would have been this huge life shift. And the, the main reason I was interested in it is because it was a sports job, but it was also connected to kind of news and, and kind of telling stories. And the person who had this idea also talked about like, you know, it'd be cool if we can uncover some of the, the people around the country who are doing some of these things where their stories aren't told. And so that was like, okay, I love this. And I all like, that was almost a thing. And it just so happened that that's the same summer the Blazers offered me the position. So like if they, if they, and that came out of left field. Um, but so that's where like the wheels kind of started turning. And so we got to the point where a year ago, it's like, okay, how do we make sense of this and put it into something? And that's how herd mentality came to be where we share some of our life along with uh, some of the people and, and work that is most important to us. And so actually the next episode that's gonna come out uh, pretty soon, uh, we share kind of some of our home build journey and, and things that we're doing Aww. because there are That's people, so there's people who's attached to that. Um, some, some vendors we're using who are going to be a part of doing some stuff for some of the organizations that we're working with. So like it, it all is kind of working itself out where everybody's kind of helping each other. That's awesome. I love That's that. You know, I love her mentality. You and Bethany oh. are so funny. You know, she, <laughs> I, I really enjoy it, but I can't tell you how much I appreciate you making the time for us tomorrow. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you guys for doing this. Like I, yeah. I love people who are contributing to the sports world and inspiring people and especially two women leading the charge. <laughs> like I love seeing that. So thank, thank you. you. And it's like, it's sweet. It's yeah. like me and Carly have been friends since high school. And like, honestly, like when people ask me like who inspires me, like I literally say Carly and it's not even like a cliche answer. Like, because I mean, yeah. I don't know any other person your age has a Super Bowl ring that accomplished their goals when they said it. And it's, you know, it's really admirable. So I like working with people who challenge me and I feel like Carly yeah. does that. So it's awesome that we keep each other going. Um, yeah. But thank you so much for coming on um, and like, you know, contributing to this thing yeah. that we're creating. So we really yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, my and pleasure. Thanks for having me.
that was so fun for me <laughs> as a Blazers fan. But other than being a fan, he is an incredible talent in the industry. One of the kindest people you'll ever meet. I- I'm so grateful for his time, honestly. Yeah, it was awesome to hear like all the behind the scenes stuff and really get that insider information. For sure. And he's just like obviously a total gem, one of the nicest there is. Um, anyway, I really hope you guys enjoyed that as much as we did. You know where to find us, nextwomanapod at gmail.com, nextwomanapodcast on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. We'll be posting some really fun sound bites from this interview, and we look forward to seeing you guys next week. Bye.